Please turn in your copies of God's Word to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, and here in our text this morning, we come to really what is the beginning of the end of Paul's rebuttal against the false teachers in Philippi. This portion begins with what could rightly be called the application of his rebuttal, and we will see this application continue next time when we conclude chapter 3. But know that this is marking a shift in this letter once again. Uh, This is uh, the beginning of the end of his rebuttal. So with that in mind, hear now the word of the Lord from Philippians chapter 3 and beginning in verse 12. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect thus be thus like mind be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let us ask his blessing upon it. Holy Father, we come to you today and we do ask your blessing upon this word that it would go forth and it would not return void, that it would enter into our hearts and penetrate into the deepest parts of our inner man and that it would take residence there and grow and flourish and change our very lives. Lord, we ask that no distractions would come our way today during this time of preaching, that the evil one would not be able to uh, take our minds away from the proclamation of the word but Lord, that you would keep our focus upon it and upon Christ. So Lord, I ask the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be found acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'm not sure if it was this way when you were growing up, but when I was a child and in middle school, every student had to run one mile. I'm not quite sure the reasoning behind this. Most likely it was some sort of government mandate to ensure that they were actually uh, keeping us healthy. 
And no one really looked forward to that dreaded day in PE class. Some students feigned sick, hoping that they would uh, not have to run, only to end up having to do a makeup run at a later date. Well, I was not the most athletic kid growing up, and I was one of those who hated the thought of having to run. And the day of the one-mile run was a day that I wished would never come. But that day did come, and we all lined up on the football field track, and uh, we began the longest mile of our lives. And curious enough, running would become a standard thing in my life later on in adulthood. I joined the Army where the standard run for our physical fitness test was no longer one mile, it was two miles. And we would go on these things that uh, our commander would cruelly call fun runs. Uh, There was nothing fun about them. And they would be five-mile runs in a company formation. Well, eventually I learned the trick to running. You have to keep an even constant pace, not slowing down too much, not exerting too much energy too quickly, too early. And then eventually on that last lap, right at the end, the finish line would be in sight. And it was then that you dug your heels in that you reached down deep within yourself and you found whatever remaining energy was left and you sprinted with all of your might. Now you've probably seen Olympic runners do this. The finish line is just ahead and they exert every little bit of energy that they have left, even leaning forward and reaching out for the finish line, knowing that the prize is what lies ahead. Well, this is the mental image that the Apostle Paul is putting into the minds of the saints at Philippi and into our minds here today as well. And this seems to be a favorite illustration of Paul's concerning the Christian life, that it is a race which we are to run. He says in Hebrews 12.1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. To Paul, the Christian life is a race. And so the exhortation to you this morning is to run the race before you, reaching forth towards that heavenly prize. And we'll consider this exhortation under three heads. First, our mission. Next, our motivation. And then lastly, our mindset. So first, let us consider our mission. What is it that we are called to do in this race that we call the Christian life. Look with me at verse 12. Not as though I had already attained, whether either were already perfect, 
but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. To understand what our mission is, we have to remember what Paul said in the previous section. He had said that he aimed and eagerly aspired at the resurrection of the dead through fellowship in the cross of Christ, in Christ's sufferings. And he adds that he has not yet arrived at this. What has he not arrived at? At the attainment of having entire fellowship in Christ, with Christ's sufferings. Having a full taste of the power of His resurrection and knowing Christ perfectly. Paul says he hasn't attained at this. The mission in this Christian life is the perfect attainment of these things. Something which Paul understands is, is, to be, uh, is, is never to be done fully and perfectly in this life, but it's something that must be continually strived for. It's likely Paul's correcting some sort of false teaching in the statement regarding the ability to attain perfection. It's likely that these false teachers in Philippi added a notion of perfectionism to their Judaizing heresy. And Paul is seeking to put that false teaching to rest. Now we today have some that espouse this teaching as well, this teaching of perfectionism, though not many of us may be familiar with them. The Wesleyan branch of the Methodist church holds to a doctrine of sinless perfectionism. That there comes a point in the life of a believer that they no longer sin, that they have attained a perfection in this life. Paul says that this isn't the case but that it's something which is apprehended when one attains glorification in eternity. When someone gets that resurrection in its fullness. And while the work of Christ in us is perfect, and it, were, uh, it would be presumption to add to it You must remember that the work of the Holy Spirit in us, while a perfect working, is not in its totality perfect immediately. The work of the Holy Spirit is continually carried on day after day after day, and it will be continued on throughout the whole of our lives. It's something that never ends. And it will culminate in perfection in its totality. But that culmination will not come this side of glory. 
We are being conformed into the image of Christ. And that process, that operation, is something that happens until the day we die. And it's through that process, it's through that operation, that we advance towards glory. And then note also that this mission can only be completed by those who are in Christ. By those who have been apprehended by Him. Here again, Paul refutes the notion that there is anything that you can do which contributes to your justification, to your laying claim of that heavenly prize. It's not our laying hold of Christ first, but it is Christ laying hold of us, which is uh, our happiness and our salvation. Matthew Henry says, when Christ laid hold of us, it was to bring us to heaven and to apprehend that for which he apprehended us is to attain the perfection of our bliss. Paul is reminding these believers even here in this application portion that unless one's confidence is in Christ alone, then there will be no knowing him and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. There will be no attaining unto the resurrection of the dead or reaching the prize in glory if you are not in Christ. Those things are found only in Him. Nothing else can bring someone into a state of perfection, but being found in Christ Jesus. It's not your covenant faithfulness. It's not faith accompanied by your works. It is not keeping of the ceremonial law. It's not any of those things which Paul previously spoke of as but vanity. It is Christ alone that one that is in Christ alone that one attains perfection of those things hoped for in eternity. This is the mission that is set before us. If any one of you were to compare yourself to the perfect law of God or with the spotless example of our Lord, will you not find in yourself any number of deficiencies? Even compare yourself to Paul, a man of like passion as yourselves, and see whether you do not fall very short of his example. We all must confess that we have not yet apprehended that for which we have been apprehended of Christ Jesus. Do you understand 
that apprehended that which you have been apprehended of in Christ Jesus is your mission in this life. Do you see that the attainment of that heavenly prize being captivated by the excellencies of our Lord entering into eternal bliss and perfection is your primary mission? Or do you view it as secondary compared to all the duties of this world? In the army, we would receive our mission in a briefing Hours were spent in those meetings to ensure that the mission was rightly understood in order for it to rightly be executed. Friends, you must understand your mission in order to fulfill it. All of the duties of this world, your work or your family or your relationships or even your service to the church, ought to be done with the intention of it furthering your advancement in this primary mission of attaining perfection and glory. If they're not, then you must reconsider them. You must be willing to even part with them. You must reorient their priority in your life. Because this mission must come first. But understanding the mission does not necessarily mean that you're running the race that is set before you and that that is your focus. The information can be there. You can understand the mission, but if your heart is far off, then you're no better Uh, than a dog chasing his own tail. You'll never get anywhere. You'll never attain the prize. And so this leads us now to consider our motivation in this race. Look with me at verses 13 and 14. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says that he's going to keep facing forward. He's going to fix his eyes on the finish line of the heavenly glory. And he's going to stretch every ligament and strain every muscle in the attainment of that prize in order to complete the race. And so he reminds these saints that the attainment of that prize ought to be the motivating factor in running this race. And so what is the prize that is in mind? It is none other than Christ Jesus Himself. And in Christ Jesus, the full and perfect attainment of Him and all the spiritual blessings which come with being united to Him. 
This full attainment does not take place here in this life, but it is a reward for diligently running the race and reaching the finish line. In Revelation 22 and verses 13 and 14, we see this prize freely given at the end. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do His commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. That is what lies ahead. Charles Spurgeon writes, it is clear that a man cannot be a runner who merely holds his ground, contented with his position. He only runs aright who each moment nears the mark. Progress is the healthy condition of every Christian man and he only realizes his best estate while, lie, uh, while, while is growing in grace, adding to his faith virtue and following on to know the Lord and daily receiving grace for grace out of the fullness which is treasured up in Christ Jesus. If you are to run this race, you have to keep your eyes on the prize and press forward. And that must be what motivates you. And so this must be at the very forefront of your minds. Paul says this must be the motivating factor. It must be what drives believers ahead, what empowers them by the Holy Spirit to run this race with patience and endurance. But Paul also recognizes that we are weak. That we have a tendency to not keep our eyes forward on the finish line. And so he says believers are to run this race forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Paul does not mean that he forgot the mercy of God which he had enjoyed far from it. Paul does not mean that he forgot the sins which he had committed far from it. He would always remember them to humble him and to point him back towards Christ. There is a sinful forgetting of past sins and mercies which ought to be remembered for the exercise of constant repentance and thankfulness unto God. Paul was a great sinner. He had done terrible things against Christ and his bride, but he did not focus on those things. He recognized the past mercies of the Lord in granting him forgiveness. He gloried in those. He was thankful for those, but he did not dwell upon the past. He did not wallow in self-pity because of his past. He didn't continuously look back to them, causing them to lose sight of what lies ahead. Instead, Paul forgot those things that were behind so as to not be content uh, with, with where he was. He wanted more 
and more of Christ. And if you look back and you want to stay back there, then you will never have more and more. More and more of Christ only comes by pressing forward, by approaching Him, and by attaining Him more and more. Paul didn't look back at his pedigree or his own self-righteousness or his zeal or anything else to be a motivating factor in running this race. If he had, then they would have been cause for stumbling. Instead, he kept his eyes fixed on Christ and the glory that awaited him, knowing that the finish line would soon come and that he would receive the fullness of perfection in all those things which he longed for. So what of you? Do you look at the things behind you losing focus on Christ and the prize that is set before you? Do you long to go back to your old sinful ways like a dog returning to its vomit? Brothers and sisters, you must see how deadly to do so is. That's precisely what Paul is warning the church against in Hebrews chapter 6. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. It's dangerous to go back, to leave the faith, to go back to those things. Disaster strikes when you run a race while looking back. The old self-reliant, I can do it, pull it up, uh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps approach to the Christian life is deadly. It results in spiritual death and will culminate in hell. And so Paul is calling us, yes, to do our duty, but to beware of relying on our performance as we do it. To live in the past is to hide from the reality of the present and the challenges of the future. It's the coward's way out. You know, you know what lies behind. It's not a surprise to you. So it's easier to just go back to that instead of just pressing forward, putting your hand to the plow and pressing forward. Those who are mature in Christ will be characterized by a wholehearted pursuit of fellowship with Him which looks to the future. It looks to that heavenly prize. 
Hear the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 9 and verses 24 and 25. Know ye not that they which run a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do obtain an, a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Friends, that must be your motivation. To obtain that prize. To press forward. To continue running the race. To obtain that prize. And to obtain that incorruptible crown. To obtain a perfect attainment of Christ. And now that the mission is rightly understood and the motivation is rightly embraced, we must turn our attention to focus on the mindset which we are to have while running this race. Look with me at verses 15 and 16. Let us therefore as many be perfect, be thus minded. And if any... If in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. So what is the mindset that you are to have while running this race? Paul says you must be single-minded. You cannot have your mind captivated by a hundred different things and expect to be able to remain focused on the mission which stands before you. The Philippian believers could not have their minds captured by the false teachers which were making inroads into the church. They could not have their minds captured by the lives which they had given up for the sake of the gospel. They could not have their minds captured by the persecution that was threatening them. No, they had to be single-minded in this pursuit, being focused solely upon Christ. His commands... And His reward and glory were their single focus. Do not be double-minded and unstable in all your ways, as James chapter 1, verse 8 says. To be double-minded, to have your focus diverted in every direction is foolishness. An Olympic runner cannot be distracted by issues in the home or the crowd crying out against him or even by the other runners in the race. His head must be clear. His focus must be singular. His eyes must be pointed ahead. And so too must it be with believers running this race called the Christian life. For Satan would like nothing more than to see believers distracted from the things of God and focused upon the things of this world. 
And so Paul gives the answer, the cure for double-mindedness. And that is to remain focused upon the things which God shall reveal unto you. The key to running this race well is to be rooted and grounded in the things which Jehovah has revealed unto His people. And where is that found? It's found in the Word of God alone. Seek out from the Scriptures the things uh, which are to empower you and strengthen you and motivate you to run this race. Zeal for knowledge and doctrine will not justify you before the Father. But what it will do is encourage you and equip you to run this race with patience and endurance. But it's important to note that not everyone has the same level of knowledge and understanding as you do. Friends, you don't run the race of the Christian life alone. You have been given the church. You've been given fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to run alongside of you, to encourage you, and to aid you as you run this race. We must learn from this passage that we must bear for a time with ignorance and our weak brothers, and we must forgive them. There must be one mind among us, but we must have patience as that one mind is cultivated among us. Sanctification is a process, and some are further along than others. Knowledge of the Scripture and purity of life are gifts given by the Spirit of God through the process of sanctification. The words of Matthew Henry are wise to remember as we run this race. Whatever it is wherein you differ, you must wait till God give you a better understanding, which He will do in His due time. In the meantime, as far as you have attained, you must go together in the ways of God, join together in all the great things in which you are agreed, and wait until further light in the minor things wherein you differ. So let me ask you, what is your mindset? Are you the double-minded fool who is unstable in all his ways? Or are you the single-minded wise man who is focused in his pursuit of the attainment of that heavenly prize? Not only are you to be single-minded in your own personal life, but you're to be single-minded with those whom the Lord has called you to run this race with. And is that true of you? You may be personally, single-mindedly focused upon that prize. But are you single-minded with everyone else who you're running that race with? 
I've seen families torn apart because husband and wife are not single-minded in the pursuit of the things of the Lord. I've seen churches crumble and dissolve because elders and members are not single-minded in running this race together. I would venture to say that no one in here is 100% in agreement with anyone else in all things. And yet we can still be single-minded in accomplishing our mission. Do not let the small differences be what causes a rift among the body. Do not let the small things drive a wedge between you and your wife or you and another member of this congregation. Over and over again, Paul has exhorted us to be like-minded. To have this mind in us, which is also in Christ Jesus. To be single-minded. Let us walk by the same rule. That ultimate rule of the Scriptures, which is the only infallible rule for faith and life. And then let us run this race which is set before us. Do not be distracted by the things of the world, but let your mind be captivated by the prize which lies ahead. This must be our mindset. Some of you perhaps are faint and ready almost to give up running this race. Behold the prize. See the glory that awaits you at the finish line and will it not repay all the weariness that you have gone through in this life? Is not the attainment of it certain if you hold on your way? Will your strength not be renewed if only you wait upon your God? You're almost there. You've almost made it to the finish line. In a few more steps, you will reach the goal. You will stop. Uh, will, you, will you then stop when the prize is basically in your hands already? Press forward. Follow the apostle. Endure to the end. And receive the crown of glory which fadeth not away. Brothers and sisters, run the race that is set before you, reaching forth towards that heavenly prize. Let us pray. Father, we come to you and we do thank you uh, for the mercies that you have shown to us, the graces that you have poured out upon us. And we recognize those things and give thanks unto you. Lord, we ask that you would keep our eyes fixed ahead upon the attainment of that prize and glory, 
which is Christ Jesus our Lord. Give us the strength to run this race with endurance. And let us come alongside one another and encourage and help help one another in finishing this race and finishing well. Father, we long for that day when we uh, apprehend perfection of these things. And we know that that day is soon to come. But until that day comes, let us ever strive toward them. Ever advancing. Ever making progress. And gathering up others along the way to join this race with us. So Father, we ask that you would be with us to run this race well. And for your glory, we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.